Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome to the Collision of Faith and Politics this Monday, May 25th. This is this is a powerful day, quite frankly. And honestly, this is a difficult show for me to get through, bottom line, for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. You'll see why. Today's show, we're going to talk about, we're going to memorialize all the fallen. We're going to speak specifically about a few uh, who, with whom I'm personally involved. And that's no affront to any of the others. Listen, everyone matters. Every loss for freedom matters. And they matter to me. This Memorial Day 2015 Collision of Faith and Politics radio show is dedicated to those who were vigilant so we could rest, who gave everything that we might thrive, who are silent that we may breathe free. I honor you this day and every day. Due to a a weather-related situation, Last week, um, Eric Stackelbeck, he's a nationally known guy. Come on, you know know who this guy is. New York Times bestselling author, uh, just just a phenomenal guy. A lot of the things that he says, uh, I say, and uh, I really uh, am honored to have him on today. A little bit later, he's going to be on the air with us. Last week, due to the weather delay, he was in the air instead of on the air with us. So this week, our special radio show for Memorial Day, uh, Monday, May 25th, uh, will include Eric Stackelbeck, New York Times bestselling author of ISIS, read the book and am reading through the book. Uh, I have my crack research team reading through the book and powerful. Very, very powerful. Um, I want you to understand something. And, and, and this is important. You've got to you've got to educate yourself on these things. You've got to. If you don't, 
you're going to be ignorant going into a battle that, frankly, we must win to win this battle. We have no choice. It's not win or lose. It's win or lose everything. You say, what is everything? I hear that a lot. What is everything? You know, Memorial Day, there are countless families out there who know exactly what it is to lose everything. For them and their lives, everything is their family member who put on a uniform or who was in the clandestine service. and came home in a flag-draped casket. They know. There's no mistaking it. They know. The only way you know is if you invest something. The people who I'm talking about, the Gold Star families, they invested everything. Listen, Memorial Day, it's it's far more than hot dogs and hamburgers and mattress sales. I don't know how the heck Memorial Day ever got designated as the the mattress selling day, honestly. I have no idea. I wish I knew. I don't wish I knew. I could care less. Stupid. Memorial Day is singularly about those heroic souls who gave all for our freedom and our liberty. All gave some. Some gave all. Perhaps you know somebody that's a Gold Star family. Perhaps you know someone that's left behind to honor and grieve the loss of the soldier or the clandestine fighter who gave all. I'm going to encourage you to remember the lost. I'm going to encourage you to remember why I you know, I don't want to call it a holiday quite frankly. I'll be honest with you, I'm disgusted in in how haphazardly we observe such a solemn, solemn occasion. People say, do you celebrate Memorial Day? I say, no, I don't. I observe it. Many times throughout today, and really, quite frankly, this weekend, I thought of my friends 
who are buried under the acres of white stones in Arlington National Cemetery and, frankly, another. I just had a good friend of mine, really good friend and, we'll just say, fellow worker, pass away last week as a contractor. Some gave all, folks. Some gave all. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. This is the Collision of Faith and Politics. This is our special radio show for Memorial Day. We are live. Memorial Day, Monday, May 25th. Eric Stackelbeck, New York Times bestselling author of ISIS Exposed, and he's really an internationally known investigative journalist. He's an expert on Islam and terrorism. Eric Stackelbeck, uh, he's going to be on our show a little bit later. And these are some of the questions he, he answers in his book, ISIS Exposed. How a state that ranks among the nation's top places to live has become the number one terrorist breeding ground in America. Not number one terrorist breeding ground in Yemen or Iraq or Iran or Saudi Arabia or Syria, but America. Why ISIS now appeals to Western youth in ways that Osama bin Laden never did. Folks, Western youth, that's us. That's our allies in England, France, and other places. People that supposedly support freedom. How ISIS incorporates a lethal mixture of ruthless violence, battlefield prowess, and fanatical ideology. And, and really social media savvy into a relentless pattern of success. Why the United States needs to put troops on the ground in Iraq to truly cripple this fast-moving terror phenomenon. Let me say this, and I'll mention this again when he's on if we get the chance, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm so sick of the namby-pamby approach that we take to ISIS. And you know what's behind that? President of the United States. He's behind it. He's leading this country not into ruin, but into extinction. Because if our United States military would be unleashed, not to contain ISIS, but to annihilate them, to obliterate them from any memory here on earth, we could do it in one week. Seven days, Sabbath to Sabbath, we could be finished. And ISIS could be a faint memory. Oh, we would, we would have to always be vigilant. We would always have to kill them as they popped up, one by one or thousands by a thousands. But we would have to kill them, for sure. But we would. If we unleash the true might that exists within the United States military, ISIS would be a bad memory. But they incorporate a lethal mixture of ruthless violence, battlefield prowess, fanatical ideology, and social media savvy into a relentless pattern of success. 
why the United States needs to put troops on the ground in Iraq? Folks, come on. I just said it. We could finish it. You just saw Ramadi fall. I know people who have given their children and their husbands to fight for the freedom of Ramadi in Iraq. And now it has fallen. You've seen the video. If you watch any television at all, you've seen the video. You've seen the Iraqi army run. You say, well, they're all the way over there. We shouldn't have been over there in the first place. You know what? You need to learn a little bit. You need to learn a little bit. Listen to this show more. Eric Stackelbeck's book, ISIS Exposed, Beheading Slavery and the Hellish Reality of Radical Islam. Sean Hannity says, if you want to know what makes ISIS tick, Eric Stackelbeck is your man. How the horrifying contents of the ISIS handbook outlines gruesome atrocities and forces children into terrorism training camps. Folks, they, they have no problem cutting the heads off of innocent children. They've just done it. They've posted video and photographs all over the Internet. They don't care that you're appalled. You don't move them. You don't rattle them. They don't care that you're horrified. They're going to march over you. And they're going to kill you. When Eric is on, we're going to learn why our southern border, and he, does, he, he really exposes this in his book, ISIS Exposed, why our southern border is a terror attack waiting to happen. Listen, you'll want to tell your friends, if you have the ability to text while you're listening to this, if you're listening on your smartphone, text your friends, share the link, I'm glad to have you joining me today. Our, cha- our chat room, it is wide open. We've got people joining here. I'd love for you to subscribe to this show. It's really important. It helps me know who's listening. I, I love that we have hundreds of thousands of live listeners, but you know what we need? We need subscribers. doesn't cost you a thing to subscribe, by the way. We don't share your private information, none of that. But we need you to do that. We need you to go over to the Facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Click on sign up just under my picture at the top, and that'll show you. While you're there on the Facebook page, if you use Facebook, click on like there. Love to have you do that. I do want to welcome you to the Collision of Faith and Politics. This is the fastest two hours in radio. Here's the call-in number, 646 595 That's 646-595-4641. These are the words of retired U.S. Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell. Remember him from the book and the movie Lone Survivor. The second biggest loss of life in United States Navy SEAL history. And his survival. These are his words about uh, Memorial Day. And you know what I think... uh, I think Marcus Luttrell would most assuredly know. By the way, next week, I think next week, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's next week, Unbreakable, a Navy SEAL's way of life. We're going to have Tom Shea, retired senior chief SEAL, and and his wife. Uh, just Stacy is just an amazing patriot and person, 
and Senior Chief Tom Shea, 23 years, a career that includes the Silver Star, Bronze Star for Valor, and uh, multiple commendation medals for Valor. He's led the famed SEAL sniper course. He was principal leader of research and development for the SEALs. Let me tell you why. And his wife, he refers to her as his Spartan wife, and you'll see why next week. Make sure you tune in for that. These are the words of retired SEAL Marcus Luttrell. Today is the day we recognize those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for the preservation of this amazing country we live in. But make no mistake, there are many who remember them daily. War is a hell of a thing to be sure. And although we are not born from the same families or raised in the same cities or states, practice the same religion or have the same skin color, man or woman, once the uniform is donned and the fighting has commenced, nothing else matters. Nothing. It's the purest form of brotherhood, humility, love, and will. Being rich, poor, Ivy League educated, or from the street, hillbilly, or air. The only thing that matters is the guy to the right and left of you and their willingness to live or die with you in that moment. Death, although an inevitable part of life, is still very difficult to deal with and sometimes hard to understand. When a soldier dies covering the line, it is very hard for us to deal with. However, we understand very well why it happened and who it happened for. And it's that very reason those who do survive get up and cover the line without question again and again over or till it's over. Those standing the line today each have their own reasons for doing so. But one reason will always stand true. We are a byproduct of the ones who have fought and died before us, giving up everything for the life that we live today. The freedoms we enjoy, the family and friends we share our lives with, and the hopes that we may pass on to our children a country better than the one we inherited. With my sincere gratitude to the families of the fallen, we also thank you for your service and sacrifice to the country. We can never repay the debt your families have paid to ensure our way of life. I think all we can do as Americans is enjoy the freedoms granted to us under the flag and never forget those freedoms, no matter how important or how trivial we're born from the blood of the fallen and the tears of the living. God bless and God bless America. Marcus Luttrell.
Day is done. Gone the sun. From the hills, from the lake, from the skies, all is well. Safely rest. God is nigh. Go to sleep. Peaceful sleep. May the soldier or sailor God keep. On the land or in the deep, deep, safe in sleep. Love, good night, must thou go. When the day and the night need thee so. All is well. Speedeth all to thy rest. Fades the light and afar goeth day, and the stars shineth bright. Fare thee well. Day has gone. Night is on. Thanks and praise for our days neath the sun, neath the stars, neath the sky. As we go, this we know. God is nigh. Do you know the story of taps? You know, there's a lot of stories circulating on the Internet, but here's the reality. The 24-note melancholy bugle call known as taps is thought to be a revision of the French bugle signal called tattoo. That notified soldiers to cease an evening's drinking and return to their garrisons. It was sounded an hour before the final bugle call to end the day by extinguishing fires and lights. The last five measures of the tattoo resemble taps. The word taps is an alteration of the obsolete word tap-toe, derived from the Dutch word tap-toe. Tap-toe was the command, tap-toe, to shut, toe-toe the tap of the keg. The revision that gave us present-day taps was made during America's Civil War by Union General Daniel Adams Butterfield, heading a brigade camped at Harrison Landing, Virginia, near Richmond. Up to that time, the United States Army's infantry call to end the day was the French final call, l'extension des Vieux. General Butterfield decided the lights-out music was too formal to signal the day's end. One day in July 1862, he recalled the tattoo music and hummed a version of it to an aide who wrote it down in music. Butterfield then asked the brigade bugler, Oliver W. Norton, to play the notes after listening, lengthened and shortened them while keeping his original melody. He ordered Norton to play this new call at the end of each day thereafter instead of the regulation call. The music was heard and appreciated by other brigades who asked for copies and adopted this bugle call. It was even adopted by Confederate buglers. This music was made the official Army bugle call after the war, but not given the name Taps until 1874. 
The first time Taps was played at a military funeral may also have been in Virginia soon after the Butterfield, after Butterfield composed it. Union Captain John Tidball, head of an artillery battery, ordered it played for the burial of a cannoneer killed in action. Not wanting to reveal the battery's position in the woods to the enemy nearby, Tidball substituted taps for the traditional three rifle volleys fired over the grave. Taps was played at the funeral of Confederate General Stonewall Jackson ten months after it was composed. Army infantry regulations by 1891 required taps to be played at military funeral ceremonies. Taps now is played by the military at burial and memorial services to accompany the lowering of the flag and to signal the lights-out command at day's end. In every battle, across all of time, there have been those who gave all. In every battle, across all of time, there have been mothers and fathers of the warriors, the combat soldiers, the war fighters who... The mothers and fathers, they were at home waiting for the safe return of their child, their husband, their father. In every battle all across time, there have been those dreaded phone calls, the dreaded visits from the black military vehicle and military dignitaries in their dress uniforms. In all of time, as long as we have been fighting wars, in order that we may have peace, there have been rough men standing in the face of evil so that we may sleep soundly in our beds at night. There have always been mothers at home on their knees praying their sons make it home. Another Christmas comes and goes Another New Year has begun Another spring has bloomed and blossomed Another shining summer sun And as life goes on around her Something's missing in her life For her child is somewhere fighting This is a soldier's mother's life Never knowing if she'd get the chance to hug her child once more. And as she gets on her knees to say prayers to God tonight, she'll ask, bring my child back safely home. This is a soldier's mother's life. Another month marked off the calendar, another day without Another birthday without candles Another Mother's Day alone As another day comes to a close She turns on that porch light As a sign that she's home waiting This is a soldier's mother's life With tears and hugs 
another soldier came back home today in a box beneath the flag. And as tears rolled down a mother's cheeks, the haunting sound of taps is played. As the flag is gently folded, 21 shots fill the sky. For her child is paid the ultimate for their country they have died. And with tears and hugs and kisses, she watched them leave for war. Never knowing if she'd get the chance to hug her child once more. And as she gets on her knees to say her prayers to God tonight, she'll ask, bring my child. We salute the families of those who serve. May God bless each and every one of you, and may he bring all your loved ones back safely home. Thank you to Kay and Ron Rivoli of the Rivoli Review for supplying much of the music for today. You talk about two great patriots traveling this land fighting so that mother's sons will not be forgotten. Listen, you can say you know the cost of freedom, and I'll tell you, I know many in my radio audience today. I know you. I know you've given parts of your body and and of your hearts to the faithful, brave service to this country. Many battle buddies who are home now, severely wounded in battle, fighting every day to fully come home. Those combat soldiers are remembering today those brave soldiers beside whom they served, who came home draped in an American flag. There is indeed a cost to freedom. I ask you, are you worth their sacrifice? If you wake up in the morning In a land where you are free You should think about the ones who fought Protecting liberty You should fly a flag in honor Of the price they had to pay Yes, every day throughout this land Should be Memorial Day For some gave all 
they paid the price for freedom's here. They sacrificed, they gave their lives for you and me. Their graves remind us freedom's not free. If you watch your children playing In a land where freedom reigns In a land of purple majesty Above the fruited plains You should tell them of the soldiers Who had courage and were brave And fought in wars and battles To ensure all glory waves For some gave They paid the price For freedom's here They sacrificed They gave their lives For you and me Their graves remind us Freedom's not free Since then, brave men and women who have been mutually pledged, forged into battle, and they gave the last measure of sacrifice. All gave some. Some gave all. This show today is in honor of all of the fallen. And although I mention 
some specifically, some by name. I don't want anyone to ever think that, I, that especially in these last two, which really we're still fighting. Let's let, let's be serious here, folks. Politics aside, partisan sniping aside, liberal or conservative aside. We are still in a battle that we have yet to acknowledge. The show today is in honor of all of the fallen. The names I give now are those with whom I have a personal connection. Petty Officer Second Class Navy SEAL Mark Allen Lee killed August 2nd, 2006. He was the first United States Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. His mother and my dear sweet friend, Debbie, travels this country with America's mighty warriors. She's been to the very spot where Mark Allen Lee died in service to his country. Among his brothers, long live the brotherhood. Folks, don't dare tell me. Don't have the temerity to tell me that Iraq doesn't matter that Afghanistan doesn't matter. You know what? We should have just never gone there. Don't dare tell me that. Don't say it around me. Don't say it within my earshot. Because I'll tell you something. Once the boots land on the soil in battle, the sniping should stop. Folks, this administration is responsible for so many of the deaths. Those killed in action because of the rules of engagement are asinine. They are traitorous. And they are getting our soldiers killed Debbie Lee has dedicated her life to honoring the life of her son the service of her son but even more than that she travels the country raising support so that she can continue supporting the soldiers and their families. There are many things she could have done with her time. But Debbie Lee chose to take her grief and make it
a testimonial. To our son. Folks. I hope you understand. I hope you understand. I hope you understand. The cost. I hope you understand what it is like. I hope that you can put yourself into those shoes of a mother and a father and a wife. When that vehicle drives into your driveway and military officers exit their vehicle and walk somberly to your door. It is a door knock that you never want to receive, let alone answer. I would to God you would understand the true cost of freedom. I would to God that you would understand what it means to the families who are invested. I would to God. Gold Star Families, it's a fraternity that no one wants to join. Oh, but when they do, wave upon wave of grief overwhelms them. Can you imagine, my friends in the radio audience, can you imagine looking around the United States of America today, knowing that your child gave all for the freedom of the low-information voters, of the flag burners, of the people who say that we shouldn't, that Sharia law should be okay, that that ISIS isn't that bad, that ISIS is the JV, that Ramadi doesn't matter, that the Tangi River Valley doesn't matter, that Iraq and Afghanistan doesn't matter, that Tikrit doesn't matter. Tell that to the families whose son's blood is mixed 
with the soil of those lands. Tell that to the battle buddies, to the the combat veterans that died and lived. The ones that lived through the fight and yet their buddies right next to them gave their lives. Today I honor Petty Officer Second Class Navy SEAL Mark Allen Lee killed in action August 2nd, 2006. And I also honor her mother, Debbie, my friend and my sister. Debbie Lee, tirelessly fighting. Today I honor Special Operations Chief SEAL Aaron Carson Vaughn. Killed in action August 6th, 2011. He died fighting for our country, flying to the rescue of fellow soldiers, shot down in extortion 17. Folks that listen to this show on a regular basis, you know that I mentioned those words, extortion 17. That was the call sign of their flight, the helicopter that was shot down at 56 miles per hour, hovering over a battle zone with no air support, zero air support, no softening of the landing zone before they came in, multiple circling. Admiral McRaven, as detailed in in Billy Vaughn's book, Betrayed, is quoted as saying, we are there to win the hearts and minds of the Afghan people. As Drago, retired Navy SEAL, famed Navy SEAL, and great American, said last week on this show, if you don't have the if you weren't able to listen, I would encourage you. It's free of charge. You go, click on subscribe, you can listen to anything you want for free from my show. As Drago said last week, I am not trained to go into battle or to go into another country and win their hearts and minds of the enemy. I go into battle. I am trained and I am equipped to go into battle and kill the enemy. Special Operations Chief SEAL Aaron Carson Vaughn on August 6, 2011 was put in an untenable situation. Sitting ducks. such that a kid on a hill could use a shoulder-mounted, rocket-propelled grenade, a junky piece of crap, and kill the greatest number of Navy SEALs, SEAL Team 6, the Gold Team, DevGro, the best of the best. and many other great soldiers from the Army and the Air Force, including 
a Navy SEAL dog shot out of the air. You know, I fight really, really hard on this show and in every speech that I give. You know, uh, I was so honored. I'll just say this. I was so honored when Debbie Lee gave me uh, the, the challenge coin of Mark Allen Lee. Uh, it's in my left pocket every time I give a speech. Mark's commemorative knife is right to my right. I'm wearing a shirt that memorializes Mark Allen Lee. I have the book Betrayed right here on my desk by Billy Vaughn. Last Memorial Day, I was with Billy's wife, Karen, like a sister, love her, love Billy, love her, great people, regular people who are doing extraordinary things. You know, they raised, Debbie Lee raised an extraordinary son. Karen and Billy Vaughn raised an extraordinary son. And it is no surprise to me that these regular folk are now going about fighting heroically in an extraordinary way for their son. They have a mission they call For Our Son. If you go to the Facebook page, I believe you'll see that it's a God and Country. Go to Facebook.com and then go to God and Country Radio. There'll be links there. There are also links. Thank you to Sean, active duty uh, military fireman who manages that. He's got links to Freedom's Not Free by Ron and Kay Rivoli in the Rivoli Review. You can listen to those. It's a video. The video is extraordinarily powerful. He's got the letter from Marcus Luttrell that I, that I just read and other links. Karen and Billy Vaughn are turning pain, unimaginable pain, into pearls. As you're enjoying your time with your family this weekend, and I want you to have burgers, I want you to have hot dogs, I want you to enjoy the potato salad, I want you to enjoy all those things, I want you to laugh, I want you to, I want you to, to, to enjoy yourself. But as you do that, I want you to remember the men and women who gave their last full measure for our country, the freedoms we enjoy, the dreams we have. I want you, you know, when you get a chance, go over to the God and Country radio show page that that Sean maintains for me, and he maintains, he, he does it. He does it. He does, he's built it.
I, I'm just amazed at what some folks do. I'm amazed, folks. I, I'm honored. I'm humbled, quite frankly. The truth is I'm also appalled. I'm angry. And I'm appalled. I'm appalled that on this day, so many people have not a clue. They think it's about beer and dogs, potato salad. They think they think it's about a mattress sale. But it's not. Aaron Carson Vaughn, Special Operations Chief, Navy SEAL, killed in action. August 6, 2011. United States Navy cryptologist Michael Strange killed in action August 6, 2011. Widely considered to be, he was attached to DevGru. Widely considered in the special operations community to be the best cryptologist in the world. He gave his life on extortion 17. Do you understand the utter heartbreak? Do you understand what Charlie and Mary Ann Strange, dear friends of mine, North Philly boy, in his mid-20s, Loved his neighborhood, loved his family, loved his friends, and was loved by his neighborhood, by his family, and by his friends. Could have done anything he wanted. Charlie, a good friend of mine. Mary Ann Strange, his lovely wife. Great lady. The Michael Strange Foundation, that's what they... That's what they formed, healing the family. Right now they're out in Longmont, Colorado, doing a retreat for Gold Star families. I'll be with them again. I was with them uh, at a previous retreat. I'll be privileged to be with them again in, in New Jersey. And you all know, for me to go to New Jersey must mean that I love them because I hate I hate going to New Jersey. It's a It's a... A, a whole state of a gun-free zone, and I hate going anywhere unarmed. But they formulated 
the Michael Strange Foundation, and they've dedicated everything they have. They put their whole life on hold, not only to honor their son, but so many, so many families, 7,400 and growing families that have given everything. The last full measure of devotion. I have to say they could have easily retreated to their North Philadelphia home and they could have Charlie and Marianne Strange they could have just they just they could have just kicked back and relaxed and grieved but they didn't in addition to being in the fight to find out exactly what happened in extortion 17 I'll tell you not for nothing I'm going to be honest with you 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 know that I cut it straight on this show the United States excuse me the United States government on August 6, 2011, and many in the highest command of the United States Navy SEALs committed treason, punishable by death. My friends, please understand something. When I ask you, when I say freedom's not free, I need you to understand the cost. I need you to put yourself in the shoes of Charlie and Mary Ann Strange. Michael will never walk through that door again. The crushing, awful anguish that will never go away. And when you couple that with the fact that your own government, the President of the United States, military commanders commanders at some of the highest levels, sent them to their death, sent their sons to their death. It is sobering, and it is anguish beyond description. And that is happening in our country today. I need you to understand the power of the grief that drives these great Americans. I need you to understand the unrelenting sorrow, how that could make you stay in bed every day, never leave the bed, never leave your house, 
Charlie said something to me. I cancel uh, returning vets, combat vets, and I cancel Gold Star families, and I do grief counseling. And I can tell you what Charlie Strange said to me through tears one day broke my heart. He, just, he said he was somewhere and he saw something that made him laugh after Michael was killed. He saw something that made him laugh and and, and he was laughing for a moment and he, and he stopped and he said, Sean, I, in that thick North Philly accent that I love so much, he said, Sean, And he was breathing heavy, and, and, and you could see his heart was breaking again. And my heart broke for him, and he said, Sean, how am I going to laugh? How do I have the, the nerve to laugh when my Mikey is gone? How do I have the nerve to smile again when my Mikey was killed? I'm never going to hug my boy again. I'm never going to hear his laughter again. He is gone, and he is never coming back. Gunnery Sergeant Aaron Michael Kenefick. An American hero. Aaron Michael Kenefick. His mother is Susan Price. Gunnery Sergeant Kenefick was killed in action September 8, 2009. Ladies and gentlemen, I need you to understand. I need you to understand, audience, power in the sacrifice of these families. I played for you Kay and Ron Rivoli's song, A Soldier's Mother's Life. I am here to tell you there's a mother on the phone now who is that soldier's mother? Who did get that call? Susan, welcome to our show. I'm honored thank to have you, you with us. Oh, thank you, Sean. I'm honored to be here. Thank you very much. Tell tell me what is today. Tell our audience what is today like for you. You you wake up. I, I often wonder if if you dread this day as it comes closer. And you see all the commercials on television for mattress sales and parties and beer on sale and all of these things. How does that affect you? Well, uh, my family and I actually talked about that because, you know, we all are open for different interpretations. And it's great that everybody can uh, have parties and cookouts and drink and the mattress stores and, and vehicle shops can have their sales. Uh, 
but for us, the families that paid the ultimate sacrifice and gave of our sons and daughters and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters, it affects us differently because we have blood and skin in the game. And every day we wake up pushing through that obstacle, that void, that we will never hear our son's voice or see a smile, hear him call our names, call us on our birthday, holidays, Christmas. Um, and then there's times that it really bothers us um, to the point where people, the 99% of the population, because it's less than 1% that serve and really get it, but the 99% of Americans, it's out of ignorance because they don't, they don't know. They're not attached to those of us that have uh, a loved one that's passed and given their lives and um, or served any type of military branch for even the shortest amount of time. And sometimes, you know, it really gets to us and bothers us because they really don't give it a second thought. It's taken it for granted. And I can tell you that that's part of the problem and part of the reason that the United States is in the upside-down position it is with what's going on in our country because so many people don't care. They're enti- they feel entitlement that just because they were born here on American soil that they're entitled to these things that a lot of our sons and daughters, husbands and wives have worked for. And so, you know, it's a mixed bag, Sean. It's a bittersweet day for us because uh, we grapple with a lot of emotions and feelings and we're just learning how to put it into perspective. And I don't know that we ever will, but for me, it's almost six years and uh, of the Ganjga ambush that occurred September 6th or September 8th, uh, 2009. And um, I can just tell you that when I saw those two Marines walking toward me, I knew. And, you know, my son tried to prepare me for many, many years, for over 12 years that he was in, and he was a lifer. He tried to prepare me for that moment, and there's no, there's no way you can plan or prepare a mother or a father or even a sister, brother, um, and for that matter, my my brothers and my my sister and their families, any family member of a gold star of a fallen hero, you can never prepare them for the loss. It's so deep. It's a feeling of quicksand. It's a feeling of sinking into the ocean's abyss. Um, But I'll tell you, being a part of a lot of different patriotic movements and and making sure people are aware and educating them, that's what gets us through it. Many of my Gold Star brothers and sisters, you know, you mentioned Charlie, and and there are others, Charlie Strange and and others, that I've come to know through the work that we do. And a lot of it goes unrecognized and we don't care. I, you know, we work best in the background trying to restore and pick up the, pick up the sword where our sons left off and, and use pen to paper or our voices over the radio, whatever we can do 
to make a difference and to say, that was my son, that was my daughter, my husband, my wife, you know, and to show them respect. And there's no better way than to uh, support that mission that they were there to do. Thank and, you for sharing uh, that with us, Susan. Uh, thank you. You're very welcome. We have Aaron's picture. You know, he he's up on our God and Country Radio Show Facebook page right now. Kent Houghton yes. uh, shared that photograph. I have to tell you, what a good-looking guy, right? <laughs> well, he you. he was a soldier, soldier. Yeah. I happen to know the, a lot of fellow soldiers, soldiers that served under his command, under his leadership. Uh, they were so honored to serve under this great man, truly a great, great man. Thank and you, you know, so much. You, you know who raises great men? Great moms. <laughs> great moms. Well, great you, warriors you know. have warrior moms. It's a fact. And you are that. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And I can just tell you that my son, uh, he just, he loved God. He loved his family. He loved his friends and his brothers in arms, no matter what uniform. Um, you know, he just was everything in, in him. Amen. You know, he did his job to the best of his ability. Well, thank you so much. I'm We're honored grateful. that you would join us. Let me say this. I'd love to have you back on the show at a, a much longer oh, segment. Great. We're run, running out of time now. We have a guest coming on. but Sure. Um, I'd be honored to have you back because I know that Aaron's story is is a disturbing story, and I want the the four hundred plus thousand listeners to to have that story and to understand that we need to be engaged because our government is not only not doing what it should do, it's doing absolutely what it should not do, and I'd like to have you back wow. on. But for now, I I want to thank you so much for thank taking you. the time. I will be back. And uh, thank you all, and God bless America. God bless you. Well, there you have it, a mom, a soldier's mother. Last year when I was walking through Section 60 at Arlington with Aaron Carson Vaughn's mom, Karen, there's a photograph on... on, uh, on my uh on my Facebook page that I t- happened to take and it's the shadow of of Karen Vaughn cast upon the grave marker of her son I met Susan at a at a grief seminar that the Michael Strange Foundation was putting on and ironically I I stood at the grave of Major Samuel Mark Griffith, F-18 pilot, highly regarded, and he was doing a ground rotation, serving among the ground troops, and he went out on a mission. He didn't have to, but in another Marine stead, he went out and he gave his life. I met Major Samuel Mark Griffith's family. And I have to tell you, I was powerfully moved. Wonderful Christian folk. I know 
Sam was a very powerful Christian. You just heard from Susan, mother of Aaron Michael Kenefick. You're going to hear from her again. She's going to be on a show. And when she tells you this story, you're going to be angry. So angry. But I met the family of Sam Griffith, killed in action December 14th, 2011. And I'll tell you this, I'll never be the same. Every day they honor Sam. In the words of President Ronald Reagan, we have problems in our country. And many are waiting for God to do something. I just wonder if maybe God is waiting for us to do something. And while no one is capable of doing everything, everyone is capable of doing something. These great men of highest honor. They did something. They gave something. They gave all. Do you remember the last time you pledged allegiance to our flag? Did you stop long enough with your hot dog or your beer or your soda? Did you stand to attention the best you could manage? Did you put your hand over your heart or for the military, uh, retired or past serving? Did you render a, a sharp salute? Or did you continue talking and eating? If we are to be mutually pledged to save the republic... We had better get serious. There is a cost.
don't know how as a red-blooded American you can wake up on this day and not in some way tether yourself utter the heroism and the courage and the bravery you do it folks it is so cliche to say freedom isn't free it is so cliche to say Many have sacrificed greatly. May I say to you, may I suggest to you, may I encourage and exhort you, the next time you see a person in uniform or the next time you become aware of a gold star family, someone who has lost an immediate family member, the next time you see that, please, for the love of God, don't say something stupid. Like, I know how you feel in your loss. I lost a cat three days ago, or three years ago. Don't say that. Unless you've lost someone. Unless you are a Gold Star family. You just can't know unless, unless. Unless you know the pain. Live 
your life in honor. Stand for what is right. But you can't decide. You cannot resolve. You cannot stand for what is right until you know what's right. And the only way you know is if you dig in to the truth. And I'm telling you, the truth of what is going on in our government, our utterly corrupt government today, should be appalling to you. And you shouldn't give up. You should be mutually pledged with those that gave everything. Those that gave all and those that gave parts of their body and parts of their mind and the families left behind, you should dig in and join the fight not only for truth, but for justice. You should join in the fight. Because I will tell you this, without you, without you, you, America, each and every one, without you being mutually pledged, and listen, I want you to understand, you know, I talk about the Center for Self-Governance. I am a student of the Center for Self-Governance. I will tell you, you go to our Facebook page, God and Country Radio Show on Facebook. You go to that, you can learn more about it. Let me tell you something, folks. Until you get in the fight, we are lost. Until you get in the fight, we are lost. I say in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, that no pressure, but it really is up to you. It is up to you. Folks, we are fighting where we're not fighting. I I shouldn't even say we're fighting. America, we're not fighting. Uh, Gold Star Dad said to me one time, America's not at war. America is at the mall. The American soldier is at war. The American soldier is at war. America's at the mall. I would say that those who have given their lives... I would say to you that they would say, hey, have a burger. They'd say, have, have a beer if they were beer drinkers. 
They would say, smile and laugh. But they would also tell you those that have given their lives in fighting Islam and ISIS, make no mistake about it, ISIS is Islam. And Islam is ISIS. They would say, don't let up the fight. Folks, we're honored to have with us now Eric Stackelbeck, author of ISIS Exposed, Beheading Slavery and the Hellish Reality of Radical Islam. Sean Hannity says it's if you want to know what makes ISIS tick, Eric Stackelbeck is your man. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm honored to have you. I've, I've listened to you before, your friend, and uh, as I understand it, fellow classmate at Cardinal Doherty, uh, I call him Philly Bob. Bob Hillgrube uh, speaks so well of you, and, and well he should. Uh, thanks, Dr. Sean. Great to be with you. And Bob is a great man, a great American who, you know, on Memorial Day, that's a guy who served our country honorably. So uh, great guy there. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm former Navy, and, and I can tell you that uh, Navy and Marines, there's there's a rivalry there. But when it comes down to <laughs> it, the lead starts to fly. We're brothers. <laughs> We're brothers, and he's a great brother. I, Amen. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you. This book is tremendous. Uh, I've shared it with many, many people. And I can tell you, you uh, I, I want to share, a que- uh, folks, if you're listening closely, uh, write down the name ISIS Exposed. There'll be a link on the God and Country radio page on Facebook. I want to share a quote from my guest, Eric Stackelbeck. It's, espe- it's especially significant today as we remember those who have died for our freedom. Uh, we are at a tipping point. It's up to us whether our children and grandchildren will write the history of the first half of the 21st century as free men and women or as slaves under a brutal system that shows no mercy, gives no quarter, and regards the very concepts of freedom and democracy with scorn. That's a powerful statement, it's, it, and I'll tell you, uh, I travel all over the country speaking, uh, and, and, I, and I say to the audience every time, and, and since I've received your book, I, I refer them to your book, and I say, listen, don't listen to me. Listen to Eric. <clears throat> because I'll tell you, there is no quarter. This is this is an enemy like we've never faced before. It, in the end of your book, uh, you list what needs to be done to fix the problem. One of the things I like about your book is that you don't just present this very, very serious problem. You present a fix, and much of this is in the hands of our government and elected officials. But a few suggestions, they're, they're on us to fix. As freedom-loving citizens, and especially one, uh, you, you mentioned educating the American people about jihadism and the threat of ISIS, that it is real and what it is. This is what I'm trying to do as, as part of my passion, part of what I do and my speaking and writing and the radio show. There's a danger of being labeled a racist and a hater, and, and I'll take that risk. I don't, I don't care. But according to you, and I love this, that you say this, you name the enemy, Islamic terrorism, Islamic. And you also, also what I do is I stand with Israel. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being yeah. so bold. Tell yeah, me, hey, Dr. Sean, thank you. First of all, I'm so glad you enjoyed the book. I'm so glad to be on the show with you on this Memorial Day. And look, I think that's a key point to name the enemy. I'm glad you brought it up because what is the first rule of war? No your enemy and look if you can't identify the enemy if you can't even acknowledge that the enemy exists 
you cannot defeat it. This is the equivalent of during World War II not naming the Nazis and their ideology for what it was. Look, ISIS and every Islamic jihadist follow a particular ideology. They all want the same thing at the end of the day, Dr. Sean. They may have different tactics, but at the end of the day, they all want the same thing. They want to reestablish this global Islamic state or caliphate, and they want to impose Islamic Sharia law on the world. This is what all of them want. And if we can't acknowledge that, we can't describe it to the American people, they're not going to be able to get it. People, are, people have their heads in the sand in many cases right now in our great country. Part of the reason is because they're being willfully misled by our government, by the mainstream media, who will not identify, who will not acknowledge that the threat even exists, and who downplay it at every turn. To the Obama administration, ISIS and this global jihadist movement are just a criminal nuisance that we can deal with in federal courts. It couldn't be further from the truth, Dr. Sean. Look, jihadists have declared war against the United States, and we are not, as a nation right now, on war footing. There, there are four themes of your book that really struck me, uh, and, and two ideas that really resonated with me as I read your book. The appeal of ISIS to the disconnected, looking for meaning and a place to belong that transcended really uh, socioeconomic, religion, race, you name it. And I guess it's kind of like a gang thing, that need and desire to be a part of something new and special, to have a sense of self-worth. You talk about the vulnerable, lonely, desperate, troubled, impressionable, sinister, violent, and psychotic leaving Western societies to join ISIS where they hope to find meaning and purpose. But the the linkage with the Internet and the brilliance – oh of ISIS at utilizing social media in every aspect of what they do, from recruiting to enabling the, uh, the interested to self-radicalize. We talk about the radicalization. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit more hardcore than most, and so you know, I go a little bit further or a lot further, according to some, about Islam. But the interest, uh, those that are interested, the self-radicalization, not the radicalization by some imam or something, but um, self-radicalization, then they pursue their dream of becoming a jihadist. And in your opinion, is it possible to prevent or interrupt this self-radicalization? Or is there a hope that Western society, religion, freedom-loving ideology can provide an alternative to this jihadist ideology that is so appealing? Well, it's a shame because... Uh, freedom, democracy, Judeo-Christian Western values, Judeo-Christian Western civilization are on the decline here in the West, Dr. Sean. Look, in Europe, for instance, Europe has become so militantly secular that the only alternative to the Islamic wave that is sleeping, uh, sweeping throughout Europe, in many people's views, is rather than embrace Christianity and follow the path of Jesus, they're following the path of militant atheism, secularism, and hedonism. And look, when waves of Muslim immigrants are coming to the shores of Europe, religious zeal with a goal, they know exactly what they want. And the people who are meeting them at the gates are, look, maybe have a joint in one hand, a beer in the other, and haven't been to church in 20 years. Guess who's going to win in the long run? Mm -hmm. So to combat this ideology, and look, and we talk about the ideology, how it's touched down here in the West. We've had up to 5,000 
Western Europeans, Brits, French, Germans leave their comfortable homes in Europe and travel to Iraq and Syria to join ISIS. We've had almost 200 Americans, U.S. citizens, go over there as well. Much of it is done, and I describe in the book, Dr. Sean, as you said, through self-radicalization, people who discover ISIS on the web. In the 1970s, maybe these folks would have joined a cult. You may have seen them at Jonestown. In the 1980s, maybe they would have got into the the darkest form of heavy metal music they could find. Today, the darkest thing you can find, and it's all at your fingertips with the Internet, is this world of jihad, this world of ISIS. And we're seeing, in the book I call them freaks, geeks, and jihadis, we're seeing ex-cons, people with mental problems, people with a proclivity towards violence being drawn to ISIS like a magnet. What can you do about it? Well, look, we're obviously monitoring these jihadi websites, number one. Uh, number two, there have been many arrests of, of plots, attempted plots, of ISIS sympathizers here in the United States, many over the past two months alone, by the way, of these ISIS plots broken up. So we've had great law enforcement and intelligence work on that level. But at the end of the day, this is a war of ideas and a war of ideology. And if our ideas are, you know, militant secularism and their ideas, caliphate, sharia, jihad, well-defined, then look, they have the upper hand. If we want to acknowledge that the threat exists, then I don't know how we can defeat it. Uh, I have your uh, – actually, I don't. Sean, uh, he manages – he created and manages our Facebook page, the God and Country Radio Show. Uh, he put up your link to your book. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Eric Stackelbeck, New York Times bestselling author, ISIS Exposed. Frankly, every book uh, that you've written has been powerful. I feel like we're brothers from a different mother because we are <laughs> we are absolutely singing the same song. and. Uh, so there's a link there, folks. You have to get this book. Please, if you're going to read a book over the summer, um, get this book now. I guarantee you it's available on Kindle, but, I, you know, I love the book in my hand. Uh, I like to write in books. I'm, I'm a uh, notes writer in books. I scribble all over them. And uh, this is a book, honestly, you will not be able to put down. So I encourage you to spend the money um, and, and get this book. Tell me, Eric, about... You, you talked about the self-radicalization and, and how they go on the net. This housewife and camp nurse, uh, Conley, her last name, uh, hmm. certified nurse assistant, I guess. She's a middle-class person, yeah. nice American girl. She decided to go all jihadist, uh, middle-class, middle good student. Yeah. But as you said, she self-radicalized on the net. She got herself some military training. She got herself a nursing degree. She signed up to be a, uh, an ISIS wife or signed up for an ISIS husband. She's well on her way. Mm -hmm. She had a dream yeah. of being the housewife and, and camp nurse for the cause. Yeah, you know, Dr. Sean, and a key point here, uh, she was middle class, suburban, well off, lived in the suburbs of Denver, Colorado, a very nice place. This is a key point because a few months ago, President Obama gave a speech saying that ISIS is doing what it's doing in part because it has legitimate grievances in his words. Look. Uh, the jihadists are rising because of a lack of economic opportunity in the Muslim world. Well, Shannon Connolly, who you mentioned, had it all, had a very comfortable life. She was drawn to ISIS not because of lack of economic opportunity, but because of ideology. Again, it is the ideology, and the success ISIS is having breeds attraction. So we've had 
medical students. We've had people with master's degrees. We've had people uh, in with business degrees, people who've made the dean's lists of prestigious universities right here in the United States have left to join ISIS because the ideology is so powerful and ISIS is doing it in such a bold way and with such audacity. They do not fear us. They have declared the caliphate, and that is a key point, Dr. Sean, because for close to a century, every radical Islamist has pined for the return of the caliphate. Well, ISIS is doing it right now. They control some 36,000 square miles of territory in the heart of the Middle East. That's an area the size of Great Britain. And they're spreading their tentacles throughout the Middle East and North Africa. They've attracted people from 90 countries around the world. That is astounding. They're making up to 2 to $3 million a day in the illicit oil trade, in hostage taking, and through other means. So it's the richest terrorist movement of all time. It's the most powerful, I would argue. Look, ISIS controls a state right now and literally has a standing army, 35 to 40,000 well-trained jihadists. So this is a different beast from anything we've seen. And with the web, again, they are recruiting in every corner of the globe, on every continent, basically. And one of the reasons, I think, Dr. Sean, there's many reasons, yeah, their success, obviously, the jihadist ideology, which resonates but again, to hit this theme, here in the West, we have people like Shannon Conley who were talking about this 19-year-old suburban Denver girl who nearly joined ISIS. Thankfully, she was arrested at the airport before she had a chance to go over there. But you have people, you know, we, we've had people here in the West in our culture the past few decades, we've had this poisonous culture build up where kids every day are playing violent video games where they're chopping heads, and then they're turning on the TV to watch these ultra-realistic horror movies are very gory and realistic torture scenes. And I think there's a slice of people here in the West who are not, especially in the millennial generation, who are not repelled by the beheadings, the burnings, and all the horrific stuff ISIS is doing. They're actually attracted to it. And ISIS appeals to them using hip-hop lyrics and Hollywood movie quotes on Twitter. They send out 90 tweets per minute. So this is such a different beast on so many levels. And remember, their propaganda, their social media arms are controlled by folks who were raised right here in the West who know how to speak English-speaking Americans. And yet our government uh, is failing so miserably and egregiously. You know, the, the ISIS fighter, uh, the Islamic Jihad, they love to die. They love to die. Yeah. We, 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 we think we're going to scare them. Uh, I, I think um, what are the words that uh, that Obama used? Contain. We're going to contain them, uh, and and you know you can't contain them. You have to kill them. You have to kill no, them exactly. until there are no more to kill. Uh, the exactly. Lebanese journalist. Uh, you you speak about this in Fouad Hussein. He published details of a of an Al Qaeda seven phase plan culminating in the definitive mm. victory in 2020. And they're on track with Phase 5 now establishing the caliphate. They're, the sexual slavery, the crucifixions, the beheadings, uh, mm -hmm. it amazes me that even in the light of this, we're waiving visas for, for folks that we know have been exposed to this. Yeah, look, Western Europe, right, Dr. Sean, uh, whether it's France, Germany, Britain, they can come here without a visa. 
and move around the country freely. Not only that, we have a refugee resettlement program where we're bringing thousands of people from uh, Muslim countries with histories of supporting terrorism. Somalia, for instance, I detail in the book how some 100,000 Somali Muslims have been resettled here by the U.S. government and live in Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities of all places. And what has been the net result of that? The Twin Cities. And look, Minnesota, a very nice place to live, one of the highest qualities of living in the United States. We've had dozens of young Somali Muslims, U.S. citizens, leave Minneapolis and St. Paul, travel overseas to join terror groups like ISIS. And, Dr. Sean, look, if these people don't get killed waging jihad over there, one day they will return home. And when you're fresh off slicing heads in Syria, you're probably not going to come home and transition peacefully back into civilian life, maybe get a job at McDonald's. No. What they're going to do is bring the jihad here. We had a case just last month of a Somali Muslim man left his home in Columbus, Ohio, in the heartland of the country, trained in Syria with al-Qaeda, then returned with orders to attack here in the homeland. Now, thank God he was apprehended before he had that chance. But these returnees are a major, major issue. And what I call the settlement jihad of Mm -hmm. mass Muslim immigration, mass mosque building from coast to coast. Look, we've seen the net effect of that in Western Europe. It's a mess. Culture clashes are brewing. The Muslim population there is growing. It's restless. It's radicalized, and I believe. And look, not every Somali Muslim is a terrorist in the United States. I know that. I've been on the ground there in the Twin Cities. I've talked to Somali community leaders who are distraught. Look, their sons are joining jihad left and right. But we have a major problem when we have a significant population in the United States that is not assimilated and is not integrated. And that's what's happening right now with the Somali communities here. They're becoming breeding grounds for Islamic radicalism and recruitment. I'm glad you, you brought up uh, – a second ago you brought up Europe. Um, and, and I wonder why aren't more Europeans more resistant to the growth of Islam right within their own midst? And, and, and in, within their midst, they, they really are – Essentially, Europe, I mean, a lot of people who haven't been to Europe, or maybe you've been in a more romantic sense, but you don't really understand what Europe is all about, but it's a social welfare state. Europeans, yeah. most of them are provided for from cradle to grave. You know, hey, yeah. better, to, better to enjoy today than plan for tomorrow, as we see Greece is about to collapse under that. Very hedonistic. Right. Uh, but it's the yeah. attitude that contributes to an atmosphere of Islamization. Uh, Islam so appeals to people who are lost. And, and it gives them clear direction. It's very black or white. And, and you talked about the settlement jihad. But one thing that I read in your book that I was very profoundly uh, pogida, I guess you'd call it, uh, patriotic Europeans against the Islamization of the West. Tell me about that. Tell our audience about that. Yeah, this is a movement that was born in Germany, actually, uh, Pegida, Patriotic Europeans Against the Islamization of the West, as you mentioned. Uh, Back in the fall of 2014, they were having these mass rallies in eastern German cities in particular where, you know, thousands and thousands of people were turning out against the Islamization of Germany and Europe. Now, from the German government, including Angela Merkel, 
slammed these patriotic people, basically called them racist and bigots and Islamophobes. And the rallies have kind of petered out the past few months. Uh, the German mainstream media, of course, just killed them, called them Nazis. In Germany, look, if you want to demonize someone in Germany, call them a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, if you're just a normal conservative now in Germany, the liberal mainstream press calls you a Nazi. And that shuts down all conversation, and that's exactly the goal. Racist, bigot, Islamophobe, Nazi, and that shuts down all conversation. Unfortunately, that's what happened with this movement called Pegida that we're talking about. And it was starting to spread to other European countries as well, where people were rising up and saying no more to the Islamization of their cultures. Here's an idea of how bad it is. You talk about the social welfare state, Dr. Sean. I have examples in the book of people in Great Britain, for instance, uh, Islamic terrorists, uh, Islamic jihadists who are maybe wanted in other countries, who've settled in Britain, and who are now collecting welfare benefits from the same British government they've mm -hmm. sworn to destroy. Yeah. It's, it, we've entered the realm of the surreal in Europe. And again, if, if you don't stand for anything other than socialism and hedonism, what are you fighting for? Mm -hmm. And it, that's here, too. I, I think that we are in the throes of that here. I don't think that the average American realizes that many of the jihadists that are here uh, are collecting a government check, an American taxpayer check. Um, one of the things you say in your book, ISIS is not just a movement, it is an event. In, a, in just a few years of existence, ISIS has upended the geography of the Middle East, drawn American, America back into the region, and quite possibly changed the course of world history in the process. It is a growing global phenomenon that profoundly threatens America from within and without, and it is just getting started. I have to ask you, Eric, Eric Stackelbeck, author of ISIS Ex Exposed, you just go to uh, God and Country Radio Show page. There's a link there. Click click on that link. You can buy the book. I encourage you, don't wait. Buy the book today. Why is ISIS so much more effective in their deadly and dark mission? And the U.S. government is so feckless at defeating them. Is it because we're always trying the always losing uh, mission of winning the hearts and minds of the Afghan people? You know, Admiral McRaven, United States Navy SEAL, Special Operations Commander in the book Betrayed by uh, Billy Vaughn, instead of, our, instead of killing our enemy out of existence, we're trying to win their hearts and minds. You know what? I feel like we're doing it here. But why? You, there's something that you say in your book, and you attribute it, uh, I say, quite accurately to ISIS, is the word unprecedented, unprecedented gain, mm. unprecedented geographical control, unprecedented, uh, utter uh, uh, and complete violence, uh, yeah. uh, unprecedented use of social media, unprecedented recruiting. Why uh, that, that term unprecedented is so applicable to them, but yet in our government, it is not unprecedented. We are so predictable. We are so feckless. We are so weak. What do we change? How do we change that, in your opinion? Well, I think the current regime uh, needs to be, leave office. <laughs> Number one, people need to vote. I mean, it sounds almost simplistic, Dr. Sean, but look, we have the right to vote in this country, and people around the world are dying for that right, would love that right to vote. Uh, we have an opportunity here in 2016 and beyond to to change the political landscape in this country. I, I don't think a political messiah has come around the corner, but no. we could at least 
maybe start to right this ship because we're well, well down the path of oblivion in our country. I would say first things first, and this isn't going to happen. I hate to tell everyone, at least before 2016, what we need to do is smash ISIS militarily in this caliphate they've declared in Syria and Iraq, crush them like we crushed the German and the Japanese war machines during World War II. If you do that, you will put a dent in the ideology and you'll demoralize the global movement. We know where they are. The bulk of their forces are in Syria and Iraq in that 36,000-square-mile area. You don't need a heavy U.S. ground footprint to do this. Think back to 2001 in Afghanistan. We had special forces, SEALs, the CIA on the ground working with the Northern Alliance. They routed the Taliban. We can do the same thing today in Syria and Iraq. We have the Kurds who are fierce fighters, very pro-American. We have Assyrian Christians. We have some more moderate Sunni tribes who want to get in the fight and oust ISIS. They're looking for leadership. In a perfect world, the Arabs will be able to do it themselves. Guess what? It's not going to happen. That they need some kind of leadership from the leader of the free world. Again, that doesn't mean thousands of ground troops. The Obama administration makes it seem like the only option is 150,000 ground troops and a full-scale invasion. That's just not true. We mm-hmm. can put SEALs, special forces on the ground to kind of direct the fight, have the Kurds and arm them, number one, have them take the role like the Northern Alliance did in 2001 against the Taliban, We can do that now. ISIS is not an 800-pound gorilla, yet the political will is just not there right now in Washington, D.C. I I wrote something down. Uh, Without audacity, we have impotence. The worst kind of impotence is that while we have the means, we have neither the audacity nor the will. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We're just about out of time. I hope you'll consider coming back on the show. I know your uh, schedule is extremely busy, but I'd love to have you back on again to go a little bit deeper. But I hope that we have uh, pricked the interest of the the American public, the listeners. We only have about 400,000 listeners, but you know what? Those 400,000 people buy books, and I hope that you buy this book. It's a powerful book. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you, and God bless you for the fight. Hey, Dr. Sean, God bless you. Thank you, and happy Memorial Day to everyone. Thanks again. To you as well. America, what will you do? What will you do? This is a real enemy, and we're fighting it now, and it's not going away. I hope you know that 7,400, and that number is growing still, 7,400 people gone in the fight. Who are they fighting? They are fighting Islam. Make no mistake. ISIS is Islam. Islam is ISIS. It's not coming here, folks. It's here. I've given you, I've given you my pledge. I have given you my pledge while I'm behind this microphone, or while I'm traveling across America giving speeches, I won't let you forget. Remember as you listen, there are countless crosses, markers, and graves of those who gave all 
you can at least do something. God bless America.